Hello, listeners of the Mad Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell, here today with a special guest, one of our longest fans, and uh, now someone who's working on a podcast of their own, Jennifer Taylor here to talk about the Vanished Amelia Earhart podcast. Uh, Jen, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing great. How's it going with you? Oh, it's going so great. You know, spring is sprung here in Minnesota. I hate spring. Why? Spring is so spring good. Spring is the worst. It's allergies okay. for days. I also have terrible allergies. So, but at the same time, I'm like, like today I was, I finished work. I was out on my porch. I had a nice book with me. had on a hat, you know, sunglasses, whatever. Nice drink next to me, whatever. And my eyes were red. I was, you know, coughing and sneezing, and I was like, this is the best. So imagine <laughs> Just, all of those things without the allergies, and you have summer. Oh, that's, that's true. That's, that's, summer's great. But summer's so hot, though. Where do you live? I'm in Texas. Come down here. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, good point, good point. All right, enough weather. Enough weather, jibber-jabber. Today, we want to have you go on the show <laughs> to talk about Vanished Amelia Earhart, which you are working on um, with uh, Chris. And Chris, what's Chris's last name again? Chris Williamson. Chris Williamson. I wanted to say Chris Williamson. And then I was like, I was going to say Chris Evans. And I was like, that's not right. That is Captain America. Yes, that is Captain America. Well, you know, I mean, I don't think he'll be mad that I make that association in my mind. No, not um, at all. That's actually, no. I think that's the name of his, uh, his, his uh, company, Chris Evans Films. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's why you yes. got it confused. Yes, that is true. Yeah. That, that is, you know what? Set me up for failure right now. That's terrible stuff, man. All right. <laughs> yes. So you can call him uh, Chris Evans. I'm sure that he'd be happy. Oh, I'm sure he'd be very pleased. So uh, tell tell the listeners a little bit about the show. Okay, so so Chris Williamson, he's the project director for Chasing Earhart. He's been doing that for a couple of years now. Um, that show is, um, if anyone out there has listened to it, it's really great. It's mostly just interviews. He sits down with various people and, you know, they just, they talk about, they talk about Amelia. Some of them are legacy episodes. Some of them are on the different theories of her disappearance. Well, Chris then had this idea of trying to take all of that stuff and condense it into a more limited series. So Vanished is a 16-episode podcast, and so far, I believe 10 episodes have been released, and it just kind of condenses everything. It, the first seven episodes are about her life, her legacy. It starts at, you know, her birth in Atchison, Kansas, and it follows her life all the way up until she takes off um, on her world flight. And then it kind of switches gears a little bit, which is where I come in. I step in as a co-host on episode eight and we start to do this really cool idea he had where he takes all of the different theories about how she disappeared and he puts them on trial. And so we're doing a little mock trial and we're taking all of the experts that have something to say and who have, you know, the scientific knowledge necessary to, you know, try and figure out where she you know, could have landed or, you know, is it possible that she would have maybe ended up on this island or that island? And, and we have them all on and they're on the stand and it's just like a trial. And it's it's really fun. It's been a lot of fun. No one's ever done this before, as far as I know. Um, so it's been pretty cool. Yeah. So actually, it's kind of an interesting it's an interesting thing, because for those that don't know, you are actually a criminal defense attorney. Yes. 
So when you say they're on trial, they're like actually. Oh, I'm putting I mean, them on not, trial. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're going hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're I didn't not, say you know. that. <laughs> no, I mean, okay. It's, it's still, listen, it's not like an interrogation or anything, but it is, it is, I think it is a really cool concept. And one, like you said, I have not seen really before. You know, I think the closest that I've seen to it is. Um, I can't remember the guy's YouTube channel. There's a YouTube channel where it's a lawyer who he evaluates the um, evaluates the legal merits of different TV shows. Oh, wow. And so my favorite are the episodes that he does on It's Always Sunny, you know, where he's like this. This doesn't work. You know, there is no thing. So no such thing as bird law. They're just, you know, like there have been times where I'm sitting at the airport watching this and I'm like, where, what, what is going on? I can't believe a real lawyer took his time to do this, you know, but just in case anyone didn't know, there is no such thing as bird law. (laughs) Right. It's, it's sort of hilarious, but again, you know, I guess I am kind of a scientist talking about Bigfoot and stuff. So who am I to judge? Yeah, no, I mean, I have tried my hardest to take real legal concepts and apply them to this case. And I have tried really hard to help Chris actually replicate as close as possible what this would actually look like if this were put on trial today. Of course, there's no way to get it perfect. It's a podcast. I can't subpoena people, for example. If so, somebody who doesn't want to participate, then that's it. We just have to kind of go forward without them. Um, so, <laughs> Mock subpoena. Yeah, I would I love to subpoena wise. some of these people, but that's, that's maybe a little, a little too much. So, Right, a little intense. That's so, cool, yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I'm, I really am trying to, you know, explain like what the rules of evidence are, what you can and can't say, what, you know, how this would work in real life. So, yeah. And, you know, and that's actually, I think, probably so. I think one of the most interesting ways of looking at this case, really, because, you know, there have been a lot of and I think I think really you guys, you know, the, the chasing Earhart and then, of course, the work that the work that was happening with astonishing legends on that too, with that episode, you know, that whole series and everything. And then now vanished, you know, there's a lot of really great content out there in the Amelia Earhart space. I guess I would say it's a, it's a story that's been really interesting and it's been fascinating for people for a very long time. But I think the angle that makes it, I mean, first off, just the depth of research and the knowledge that, that, not only does Chris bring to the topic, but also now that you're bringing is, I think, pretty astounding. It's sort of, you know, I mean, me and Marie just did a deep dive on the Unabomber and you guys are putting us to shame. <laughs> you know, we're like, we read a whole book and you guys are, you know, you're digging into documents and everything else and really, really thinking hard about this stuff. Why do you think, I mean, why do you think it is that this story is so seemingly timeless? I mean, I think part of it is part of it is is the mystery. People are drawn to a mysterious disappearance, and I think that's part of it. But I think another part of it is just who she was. I mean, earlier you and I were talking about women in STEM. I mean, she was a pilot before women were in the workforce, and mm-hmm. so she really was ahead of her time. She was incredibly famous when she disappeared. She was probably on the level of Lindbergh. Um, and, and, you know, Babe Ruth and, and, and all the other figures from that time period. And she disappeared in a really public way. And so I think, I mean, I think that's just a combination of those things. Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, the public loves a tragedy. Yes. Right. And so I think that it definitely makes her story very compelling. 
I also think like like you're saying with the whole idea of it being, you know, she really was revolutionary for her time period in a way that few people get an ex few people have the opportunity to be revolutionary in the way that she was, where it's really the first, you know, she is breaking all kinds of norms by just being who she was. And so it ends up, I think, making for a really interesting story. And then to have it end so tragically and without an answer right. really makes it it really makes it a good, just a great story. So yeah. one thing, one thing we've talked about a little bit before, and I think it's a point that's really interesting, actually, we talk about it on the show all the time is so we often will bring up this thought experiment of. You know, imagine that we find a Bigfoot body. Or imagine we find an alien or a UFO or something. You know, what are the chances that the field of research, quote unquote, that's built up around this topic will be settled? You know, what's the chances if, you know, if aliens come down and say, you know, hey, we're here. We look like this. We're the only ones out there that we've ever found. Crazy. You guys are sent you to. What are the chances that, you know, the folks on ancient aliens or you know, people that believe in blue avians or reptiles or any of that other kind of junk. What are the chances that they're going to be like, oh, we were wrong. You guys are right. You know, I think there's a better chance that, uh, you know, the kind of the joke that we go back to is if the government came out and said that aliens exist, there would be half of the UFO field that would say this is just a deception by the government that aliens don't really exist. You know, they would just they just want a conspiracy to latch on to. Do you think that this is a field you know, I mean, this is a subject where there's so many theories and things and, you know, kind of, I think it's probably if you want to know more about the theories, listeners, go listen to the show because it's really good. But do you think that this is a field where things will ever be settled in that way? Like if they find a plane, you know, forget a body, even if they just find a plane that they can definitively say this is Amelia's plane. Do you think it'll end the speculation or do you think the speculation will just kind of scatter? It'll just change form. I know. I think that the speculation will scatter. I, I think you're hundred percent right. I think that first of all, there's going to be a huge group of people. There's a lot of people out there that will never believe that the plane has been found until they see a serial number. And even then there will be people that say that it's fake. I personally believe that. I think that there are people out there that are 100% reasonable and would be 100% willing to say, oh, okay, I was wrong. I do think those people exist, but by and large, I do not think that that's what we see today in this field. I think it's been so long and, and, and people have invested so much of their time and sometimes so much of their money that I don't think that some of these people would be, ever be able to bring themselves to say no I wasted, I wasted all of that time, you know, and, and, and the lore surrounding her is so widespread now that even if you find the plane and, and we can all a hundred percent, like it would be completely unreasonable to disagree that that is her plane and it is in, you know, a certain location, there's still going to be the stories. People are right still going to find, oh, the Japanese put that there, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. always going to be those people. And I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. Um, I, I know others disagree, but yeah, I don't think that the mystery is ever going to be solved. Mm. You know, and that's, 
I think actually one of the most frustrating things for people with these sorts of topics, I know, I know it's true for me too. You know, I mean, I think about that stupid hole on Oak Island. You know, <laughs> these people yeah. just, oh my they goodness. They destroyed that hole so much. If there's anything oh. down there, they're not going to find it now. Oh my goodness. It's like, it's ridiculous. You know, it's <laughs> the world's most explored hole. Um, full of nothing. Wow, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't, yeah, I don't get, I guess, with those things, right? So if, if, if they do find the plane, if they do find, you know, a serial number, anything else like that, whatever, I guess kind of what I'm, because I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think either. And I think kind of my question sort of alluded to that, that I don't really think that's the way it'll go. I don't think that anyone will ever, Yeah say, oh, we were, we were wrong. You know, I think the, just like with the UFO thing or the UFO topic, I think once a single mystery is solved, it's kind of like a Hydra, you know, another seven smaller, dumber theories come out, you know, I guess like the, the Hydra's heads getting, or the brain getting shrunk every time it gets chopped in half or something. I don't know where that illusion is going to, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, every, you know, it, the government has a UFO and then it gets chopped in half and it becomes, no, we, you know, we were the UFOs all along or, you know, whatever. But that's another point, though, that I think I think is kind of interesting because in some ways the the Amelia Earhart story, because it deals with a physical person that, you know, no one doubts that Amelia Earhart existed in the first place. Right. right? Yeah, of course. Everyone, I mean, at least not anyone that you guys are seriously giving consideration to. Right, because um, I would a hundred percent guarantee you there is someone out there that would say something like that. Oh, there's definitely a blog spot out there that's you know there's definitely a podcast on that that we are just you know we are just pissing off right now. But <laughs> the I think because it is a historical mystery as opposed to say one of these more esoteric quote unquote mysteries. Yeah, I think that people take it a little bit more seriously, and because of that, I think we assume that the kind of rules that we've you know, we see are true in these other fields like that. The mystery never gets solved. It just changes form like that. You know, it all kind of comes down to, um, you know, a, a deeper misunderstanding or a deeper distrust in our society, as opposed to anything specific about this case. I think the Amelia Earhart story has really managed to stay out of that. But I wonder, do you, I, I actually wonder once if once a definitive answer is put forward, or one that is accepted by, let's say, the public, if not the community at large. I wonder if the theories aren't going to get more wacky. Do you know what I mean? Just like it's happened mm -hmm. in other fields. I mean, I think that sounds reasonable to me. Because at some point, whenever I say no one can reasonably dispute something, that, of course, does not mean that the unreasonable... <laughs> well, that... <laughs> Right. This the, the, doesn't account the, for that. Right. The action word there, reasonable, reasonable. is uh, up, for, up for debate a little bit. Right. Yeah. So. The <laughs> yeah, that's that's the challenge there, right? With all these mm -hmm. things. Do you. So. Another I guess another question. Do you think it'll get solved in our lifetimes? Do you I think do. That this is a mystery that I, will be solved? I do, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful about that. And I say that because. The people that I've interacted with so far that are 
really involved in this case and have really dedicated a significant portion of their lives to it and, and the people that Chris has interacted with there. These are not just armchair researchers putting out blogs and, and articles. These are people that are, it, like I said before, they're investing time and money to going out, you know, going out to Buka, going out to Gardner Island, trying to track down people go into the archives and, and they're tracking down documents and people are really putting a lot of legwork into gather as much data and evidence as, as we can. I think that Amelia Earhart's plane is close to like, I mean, I compare it to the Titanic all the time. Once you find it, I mean, that's, that's a huge milestone. And I think it is entirely possible to find it. So yeah, I think, I think that with the enthusiasm that we're still seeing today, even after all of this time, I think it's very possible that somebody in our lifetimes will find it. You know, it's actually really interesting. I've never heard the comparison made to the Titanic before. But really, when you think about it, right, what's the difference really in size between a, a a cruise liner versus an airplane when you're thinking about the entire size of the ocean? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Really, the the you know, the despair, it's like looking for, you know, well, I'm looking for a grain of rice versus a grain of sand, right? Like, you're, it's still super small. It's still going to be hard to find, you know, um, I guess kind of the scale, I think, is really an interesting question yeah so i don't think the titanic was as far down as they think the plane is or at least you know of course it depends on who you talk to so for example if you're talking to the crash and sink people they they think the plane is eighteen thousand feet down hence the title um of the most recent uh yeah Yeah. eighteen thousand feet i see what you guys did okay (laughs) nice i I don't think the titanic was that far down uh i could be wrong Mm. But um, I think that's that's a that was a big deal. Also, we know exactly where the Titanic went down because they were they were sending out SOSs. The, the Carpathia right. had seen them. It wasn't really in dispute. I mean, they knew about where she was with mm-hmm. Earhart. Even those that say, even those that subscribe to Crash and Sink, they'll even tell you, "Well, we have a window. We don't know. They even they can't. There's people that." You know, they think that they know and they won't tell you for because they're, you know, they want to go out and look. And so they're not going to give away their secrets. But I, even still, like there, you know, they, there's a window of places you can look mm-hmm. and you can't get much more specific than that. Right. No, and, I, and obviously that makes total sense. You, you think this is a situation, though, where it's it's just like with the Titanic, let's say, where we thought it was someplace, but the technology to actually dive down there was still limited. Right. Yeah. You think that this is a similar situation, essentially, where I mean, okay, we have to find the thing first, obviously, but with better technology, with better kind of, you know, confined space engineering and things, you think that essentially it's just a matter of getting down there and looking. Um, I do being able to get down deep enough to see it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay, that's really interesting. So what uh, you know, and again, we would be uh, I would not be doing a good job. I wouldn't think if I didn't ask you some legal questions surrounding this case. Sure. So one that I really am interested in, and we touched on this, we've talked about this previously a little bit, but actually I had a follow-up, I guess, or another thought on this that I had to ask you. So first off, who, where are these people getting the money to do these searches? You know, cause when you think about the Titanic, right, it was, James Cameron using his own money 
um, and then, you know, trying to make a movie, right? Mm -hmm. What, where is the funding coming from for these searches? And is that a limit, you know, how much limitation is that putting on these search, you know, on the search, I guess? Yeah. So as far as specifics, as far as like this group got their money from this place and this group, got right, their right. Money, like, well, I, I don't know a whole lot, but I do know that a lot of it comes from some, some of it does come from donations. Um, I know that Tiger, I think, for example, they've relied on, on donations. You can become a member of Tiger and you can, you know, pay you like dues and stuff and they, they raise money that way. Um, I know that I think I think that for the vast majority of the Buka people's funding has just been Bill Snavely either paying for it or, or raising the money. I know he had a, a, a GoFundMe for a little while. Mm. Um yeah, Nauticos is another company that went out looking. I don't know off the top of my head where they got their funding. Okay, but, yeah. but so but yeah. but essentially though, it's it's private donations. Mm -hmm. It is not like you know, I don't know. National Geographic is paying for a search, or you know. And I, I wonder though if that's not the way. You know, we often in any kind of research fields, regardless of how you know close to traditional science or you know academia it is. The question of funding is always a huge one. Yeah. And so on top of that, though, too, is the question of, well, who owns the the fruits of that research? So if if yeah. if they do find the plane, who owns the plane? What happens to it? Yeah. And that is just that's not something that I know how to answer. It's a question I've thought about a lot. Um, and it's it's something that that Chris and I have discussed a lot. And I just don't know if I can tell you whatever I tell you is probably going to be wrong so I'm just not even going to attempt to to digest you know treasure trove law and and property interests um, that's not my area um in a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's such a fascinating question because, you know, again, it's that it's that same old one, right? You find something in the woods, you find something in the ocean, you find something weird, whatever. You think it solves a mystery. Well, what happens to it then? And a lot of the times that stuff gets lost. You know what I mean? It gets put away or it gets sold or whatever. And then suddenly, you know, a mystery builds on top of that initial mystery. Um. It's kind of ah, such an interesting, such an interesting thing. Have there ever, have there ever been any cases during the history of this stuff where, um, what's the word? Where I guess uh, fakes have been passed on? Has you know what I mean? Like I would think mm, like just like with yeah, like I would I would think just like with say mummies or with any of these other kind of you know historical ish mysteries or even with the Titanic, let's say that there would be people selling you know oh this is a fuselage from the plane or this is a yada yada right a, a panel or something so um i've never heard of anyone trying to get away with selling artifacts i do know that so one of the theories relies heavily on what they call the post lost signals and um so essentially the idea is after 
after she was no longer communicating with the Itasca off the coast of Howland Island, mm-hmm. later people thought that they heard her for the next six or so days giving out distress signals. And if that had happened, her plane should have been on land because that wouldn't she wouldn't have been able to use her radio if the plane was in the water. Now, you we can we can argue all day about whether all of the post loss signals were hoaxes or not, but some of them absolutely were. So, I mean, people will take advantage of a tragedy and just because the, uh, trolls have existed since the beginning of humanity. <laughs> and th- that's what happened in the 1930s after she disappeared is th- there are absolutely cases of people getting on their ham radio and pretending to be Amelia and Fred, which is sad. It's disgusting and terrible, but it happened. And because a few people did it, now we have to have this conversation about the rest of them. You know, now we have to sort through them and figure out, well, what can we trust and what what can't we? It makes me, you know, it makes me think that, and again, I have said this on the show a couple of times. I've even said it on some other shows. I had I had a show where a guy, I do a show, I do a radio show uh, once every month where it's me, another kind of, uh, another guy who's quite skeptical of these kinds of topics. And then this guy, Dave Scott, who does the, does the actual show itself, Space Out Radio. And we had a question that he gave us, which was, you know, well, do you believe in uh, in mediums? And I said, of course I don't, you know, obviously, uh, for obvious reasons. But I said, you know, my wife and I have a secret code word that we have actually, we kind of like Houdini and his wife, right? We stole the idea from them. We have a, if one of us comes back as a ghost, we have a specific word to reference that'll tell us that it's actually them. That's amazing. I've never, never heard told of anybody. That. We've never told anybody what the word is. But if a psychic ever came to me and tells me the word, I'm going to be blown away. You know what I mean? I'll be like, oh, my God, you're coming with the lotto office. You know, <laughs> we're going we're going horse betting. Um, I, I wonder, do pilots have anything like that where or I guess so that's I would wonder if there wasn't like a telltale sign from Amelia, you know, I don't know, banana, bananas, bananas, <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, I don't know. It seems so interesting that there weren't there wouldn't be. um because she was famous, but it, it's not like fame today where, you know, you're on TV constantly and people can always look you up on YouTube and everything about your life is well known. I would have thought or I would think that there are some telltale signs or clues that help differentiate a real distress signal from her or a co-pilot versus like a fake one. You know what I mean? Like if I was trying to make one up, I don't even know where I would start. Yeah. You know? So from my understanding, she was transmitting from two frequencies. She had a daytime frequency and a nighttime frequency. So that's going to take out anything that's not transmitting mm. on those frequencies right off the bat, mm-hmm. because if it's not mm-hmm. on one of those two, it cannot possibly be her. Um, there are, and I, I, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about the post loss signals, but um, I'm still a little like, I, I'm still getting lost a little bit. I understand. But, I understand. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that not only would it have been impossible for her to transmit on any other signal, but my understanding is that it was also illegal for anyone else to transmit on their signals. And I don't know, hmm. I don't know the logistics behind something, how something like that would have been set up, but my understanding from reading the research and the papers put out by Tiger was that she had her designated frequencies and no one else was supposed to be using them. 
Well, it also it also seems weird that they but I guess I guess implicit in that assumption is that they must have the the what those frequencies were must have been well known, right? Like did the public know about those frequencies? If if there are faked ones, mm-hmm. I would think that that means the public unless unless a couple of like you said a couple of trolls got like super lucky, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know to what extent the public knew. Interesting. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's a question anyways, for Chris. I will. I was going to say Chris. I'll have to listen. I'll have to. I'll have to listen deep the next. Uh, I'll have to listen deep when you get into those signals, because uh, it's really it's very fascinating. I think so. If if you had to, I guess, if you had a you know, I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars to spend. Okay, I like where this is going. Okay. Now, not like, don't spend it on like... I can't pay off my student loans. No, no, not at all. No, 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 of course not. Are you kidding me? Not until I do. If I I had $100,000 to give out, I would be spending it on my student loans. Um, (laughs) If if you had... This conversation just got depressing. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, Oh, gotta love the economy. All right. Um, $100,000 to set up your own kind of investigation. Okay. What... What theory do you think? Okay, I have two. I have two ways of asking this. I guess the first right. one would be, where would you go look? That's question one. Where would you go look? So go, that's question one. Go ahead. I want to ask question two because I don't <laughs> want to get confusing. So you're asking me. You're essentially asking me where I think the plane is because I wouldn't risk a hundred thousand dollars if I wasn't. I mean, I'm kind of asking you where the plane is. I guess. So okay. So let me. My second question, my second question or the follow-up, I guess, to that was what if you had that kind of money to spend on a lesser known theory or a theory that you think is interesting, but may, you know, maybe doesn't get the kind of mainstream recognition or an area that you think has been under researched, where would you spend it? So question one mm-hmm. is, yeah, where do you think the plane is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> question two is question two is where do you think it would be interesting to look because you don't think it's getting the kind of, um, you know, I guess kind of the, the, the funding or kind of the research that you think it deserves based on the merits? Well, I'm not going to tell you where I think the plane is. I'm just, I have, one is because I haven't developed a concrete idea in my mind yet where I think the okay. plane is. And I'm doing that on purpose. I'm, I'm trying to keep an open mind because I want to be fair to everyone that comes on our show. So I'm Absolutely. trying really hard not to develop in my mind and I think it's here and I don't believe anything else type of mindsets. Um, so I don't really know how to answer that question as far as where, I mean, the plane, God, I mean, somebody has, somebody thinks they already found her plane. Somebody else thinks that they have found pieces of her plane those two things cannot possibly both be true. <laughs> so I would. Ipso I, facto. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The two guys that both think they're Jesus. <laughs> you know, well, there's no way. Um, okay. I mean, okay. Yeah. And, and I think that it's not that see, see, so many people, it's not that they think that they know where they're going to find the plane. There are people saying, no, we have found it. Somebody says, you know, Bill Sneefley says, no, we have found it in Buka. And someone else says, no, we found it's it's we found a piece of it, you know, off the coast of Gardner Island. And that's it. It's, you know, in pieces at the bottom. And then and the crash and sing people, they think they know where it is. They just can't get to it. 
Um, so I don't know if I would necessarily, tr- if me myself, I don't know if I would necessarily try to invest in trying to locate it as much as I would want to invest in trying to help someone else prove that what they found is is the real deal. Got it. Okay. No, that's and that I think is a super valid. That's something that we always try to say here, right? Is with these kinds of these kind of fields or whatever, like the difference between science and a non-science or a, I guess a good faith effort to investigate versus a non-good faith effort is removing bad theories. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, if like you said, these two things cannot possibly be true simultaneously. So one of them is more likely. One of them is less spend the money to see which one is more likely. Yeah. I think that's a perfectly reasonable place to go for it. Find something that is disprovable and then work to disprove it. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's, oh, yes. Good. Oh man, this is, this is Should great. Have been I don't a know scientist, man. I was going to say, I don't know if it's law school or the podcast that's helping you with the scientific Definitely mindset. Definitely the podcast. A hundred. Good stuff. I'm very you. excited. All you. I'm, very, I'm very excited to hear that. All right. Let's say, so the episodes are going to go, like you said, would you say 18 episodes? 16, I think. 16 episodes. Okay, but I 16 think episodes. that might be up for, like, that's not set in stone. Okay, okay. So there's a little bit little bit of wiggle room there on the 16 episodes. But right now the plan is 16 episodes. Correct. Any plans from you for another mystery after this one? Yes. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> what is what 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 is it can you give us a hint i cannot but i can Aww. tell you i can tell you that we have decided um where we want to go next there will be a season two and cool. we've we've already decided where we want to go with it but i'm not going to tell you what it is very cool okay well i like that that's a mystery on its own um i want to say too for the record i think that you're not telling me where you think the plane is so i don't go out there and find it myself that's it. Um, which I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little upset about. Uh, to, I guess the final thing, or one of the one of the big, I guess, overarching questions I've always had on this is, if people besides you know, and again, I cannot reiterate this enough, listeners, um, chasing Earhart and then Vanished are, are great resources. They are really kind of. Uh, if you wanted a definitive take on the subject and the story and where it stands today, th- these is this is where I would start. You know, it's honestly it's one of the reasons that we haven't even tried. You know, we haven't even thought of tackling the story because we're just like there's so much other great stuff out there on this that you know, like what else could we possibly add to this story? If people wanted to get started in doing this kind of research, or if people wanted to just learn more about the story besides your shows. um, Where would you suggest people look What books, you know, documentaries, other shows, like what, what stuff do you think is really the highest kind of, I guess, or the, you know, the most bang for their informational buck. Sure. And that's kind of a difficult question because no matter, no matter where you go, the person that's putting the information out there is they've got their own kind of idea about what happened. Mm -hmm. And people are Mm -hmm. not very good at being like, this is my theory they're going to be like, this is what happened. <laughs> She's on this island. She's an old lady. Right. Yeah. Okay. I get it. So you got to be careful about that. Um, Tiger's website. Um, and that's T-I-G-H-A-R. Their website has a lot of really good data. They've done a lot of research. They put out a lot of really good articles and blogs, um, all supporting the Nicomororo Gardner Island theory. 
Um, so you can get a ton of information there. Um, T- Dr. Tom King has written a couple, um, he's written, I think written like two or three really good books on Gardner Island theory, if that's what you're interested in. Um, if you're interested in Buka, Bill Snavely has a book that I would recommend. That's really good. Okay. I would recommend The Sound of Wings by Mary Lovell. That's a really good book as well. Um, a lot that one was recommended to me by those who subscribe to Crash and Sync. So um, just keep that in mind. Japanese capture uh, Reddit. I mean, I'm I'm being unfair. <laughs> there's there's a oh, there's so much information on that one. I would like people have blogs. Um, that one off the top of my head, Wait. I can't give the best book. I might have to get in touch with Chris and maybe I can uh, can email you later, but. That one, for the most part, I have been on various blogs and forums trying to get information on that one. Okay. And that, to my understanding, that's a more recent theory too, right? Or it's it's one that's that gotten more been, prominence recently. I think that one's been around for a while uh, because I'm, I really think all the way back to the liberation of Saipan, I think oh, that, wow, yeah, okay. I really think that one goes all the way back. Um, okay. It's it's the Irene Bolum one that came out much more recently, and that one, um, I can tell you exactly what website to go look at for Irene Bolum, but I want to get it. And that's the one where that's the one where for listeners that don't know, so Irene Bolum, she she was a, a, a basically a random lady that this author said she's Amelia Earhart, <laughs> and then she sued the pants off. Yeah, basically. Um, so. The guy who has done the most work, um, well, I'm not going to say that because I don't want to, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but there's the best website on that theory is called irene-amelia.com. That's if, if you want to, if you want to see all the stuff out there on that theory, that's where you should go for that. It, that website is run by, uh, Swindell is the last name of that guy. Cool. You can find all Very that cool. stuff kind of conglomerated all right there. Todd Swindell. That's his name. Awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on here to talk about this with me. Thank um, you for having me. No worries. Listeners, again, the show is called Vanished Amelia Earhart. You can also check out Chasing Earhart. Um, Jen, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, anything else you wanted listeners to know? Any other websites or things that they should look out for? Um. I mean, go subscribe to the Vanished Amelia Earhart podcast. Go check out the Chasing Earhart website. You can um, you can get updates there. Um, yeah, I guess that's about it. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And dear listeners, we'll be back soon with our next full episode. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at madscientistpod or at teamgiantsquid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Because we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen. Our 
Web design is done by Desdemona Howard. Woo-hoo. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources, which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.